Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, host of the podcast, on which I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. My guest today is Dr. Robin Evans-Agnew, a public health nurse, school nurse, and faculty member at the University of Washington, Tacoma. He focuses on asthma and environmental health more broadly. Dr. Evans-Agnew is working with Kara Cook from Annie to submit an exhibit abstract for COP26 this November in Glasgow. So let's get started. Robin Evans-Agnew, I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Absolutely brilliant to be here. Thank you very much uh, for inviting me. You betcha. Well, I heard about you through Annie, actually, the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, and yet I don't know a lot about your work. Please tell us about your your career and also your current work. Yeah, fantastic. It's it's interesting. We sort of circle around. Annie's a great gathering spot for for. Uh, uh, nurses interested in environmental health, and I've been uh, somewhat involved with Annie around that. We can talk a little bit more, more about uh, my uh, recent involvement uh, later. But I got interested in nursing and the environment really from my early nursing work. And I'm just a little bit of a renegade with this because I consider all human caring as some form of nursing. So acting as a youth, working with uh, kids with uh, cerebral palsy was the first sort of encounter I had with environmental challenges that these kids with physical disabilities had getting around our local town. And we, you know, people were doing that at this time, at that time, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily a new idea, but it was certainly a new idea for the town to do an inventory of uh, all of the problems with barriers to access for for these um, for these youth, tremendous fun, uh, super enlightening for me in terms of looking at the resiliency of human beings and how they respond and interact with the environment and how there's dignity inside um, uh, people's particular actions and particular choices around uh, moving through the environment. So I think that 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 definitely inspired me as as a as a teenager uh, in terms of working with uh, that particular group of youth, and then I went and worked uh, with Mother Teresa in India just for about three months. Uh, this was uh, on a gap year that I took. I was with some other friends. We went over. We, we, it had been sort of like not necessarily organized. It was totally disorganized actually. But I ended up spending about two months with. Uh, working in two of Mother Teresa's centers in uh, largely working with uh, people with disabilities again, and then spending some time, uh, some focused time, the last four weeks working in the center, the very famous center for dying destitutes, Caligat, um, uh, in the sort of the heart of one of the, you know, poorer parts of, of Kolkata, and, and really got a, an idea that nursing, that sort of nursing work was interesting to me because the choices that Mother Teresa was making uh, were totally connected to the political context of the time. Uh, she could have raised thousands and millions of dollars to build uh, a, a swanky new hospital center and rescue every single uh, dying person um, in, in, in the area. But at the same time, she would have had to compromise some of the values and some of the core ethics 
uh, that surround the ability to care and to love a human being, right? And she wasn't willing to compromise that. So, and she was able to move better through the space without being uh, bought by people, right? Uh, that, that was a huge realization to me at that time that health is political, right? Health is always negotiated at somebody's table, somebody's committee meeting, somebody's making decisions that are affecting the way we are ability to, we have the ability to care for each other, right? Um, and, and we need to be savvy about that. So that, that was pretty much, you know, I said, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to, I, I want to I care for people. I want to be involved and engaged in, in, in um, uh, 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 working with marginalized people. I ended up uh, in my college career, spending a lot of time doing anthropology, not really interested in nursing per se, right in that first degree, ended up out here on the Pacific Northwest, uh, up in the Southeast coast of Alaska, traveling through and studying with um, different tribal uh, nations, uh, Klinkit and Haida uh, nations who were doing cultural revitalization efforts. And I was really interested in those as well, because this is again, a way for marginalized people to uh, begin to own stuff. It was right at the, right at the time, right? Uh, the growth in traditional ecological knowledge and trying to understand indigenous knowledge, that, that there was a, an outbirth of that, right? In around the 90s, um, this was in the late 80s, but it was around the 90s when uh, Linda Tui-Smith in, 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 in New Zealand and others, uh, other uh, indigenous and Aboriginal leaders were really beginning to push back on uh, our understandings around how human beings interact with the environment. And there I was hanging out with uh, uh, one, one tribe watching a, a presentation about um, the origins of the, of, of the orca uh, played to an entirely native audience as a way to uh, retain cultural pride, but also to retain cultural knowledge. So all of that kind of mixed in together, brought me to nursing uh, some way, shape or form. I ended up going to uh, Johns Hopkins and getting a, my bachelor's degree in an accelerated program after my original degree. and you know, and again, I was, we were talking about this before we started the show, but you know, there's like a, a moment when you're trained to be a nurse. This happened to me and I see it happen to others that I teach now where you go, ha, huh, nursing isn't quite the little box that I thought it was, right? Nursing is something unique, especially in America, because in America, we haven't like tied nurses down to particular specialties and divisions. Watch out everybody listening to this who are going into different DMP tracks because that is not the case anymore. But the RN in the RN inside the United States is a generalist uh, license and it gives you the opportunity to do so much, so much spread. In Britain, it's not quite the same. So I was totally excited. Light went on when I looked at school nursing, particularly because I realized I could work with child, family in an environment, right? In a school setting, in a sort of like real community setting, right? Not necessarily inside a um, health system setting, which is a rarefied environment that people don't generally live there, unless you're doing 24 hour shifts and you're sleeping <laughs> two floors above the ER to do that. So that's kind of how I got into uh, nursing itself. And then uh, when I was practicing as a school nurse, one of my first experiences was with 
um, a black kid who came in with her mum, and her mum spent 30 minutes lecturing me about asthma and uh, the management of asthma. I got fascinated with asthma, saw more asthma than I saw anything else. I was, I was in a middle school in a predominantly uh, marginalized neighborhood, you could say, you know, it's been gentrified after a while, but there was a large housing project just down the road. Um, a lot of uh, Cambodian immigrants were coming in at that point in time in the late 90s and uh, uh, Southeast Asian and um, uh, Black American populations, great, great kids, super, super exciting place to work and a lot of asthma. So I saw a lot of asthma and began to puzzle my way through thinking around what am I going to do around asthma? What, what, what are the components of asthma? That still took me some time to think about in terms of a larger environment. I went into public health for a while. I spent three years doing community, large-scale community assessments, working with populations, and again, sort of bumped up against these ideas around uh, how how humans are interacting with their environments. <laughs> we had uh, we we got a um, we we, were, did, we did this assessment, and, and basically we came down with they're building this road, and they're not putting in sidewalks and they're putting stores all the way along this road and it is jamming up this road and people are going to be stuck in traffic along this road. And I never forget the director of the health department or the subdirector of the health department looked at us and said, what, what have roads got to do with health? I love that. It was hard for this person to understand how, from my nursing perspective, I was seeing upstream, uh, you know, decisions being made on planning, land planning, and how that was going to be affecting uh, people's lives. I ended up working at the Lung Association for seven years, I was dead interested in asthma, looked at asthma really deeply, began to, con began to like, configure back to that first family that I saw, that mother who spent 30 minutes lecturing me about how complex asthma was to manage. And asthma is super, super complex because you never know when you're going to have an attack, right? The only best predictor for having an attack is already having had an attack right that's not a good enough predictor right but that's but that's what it is because asthma is completely connected to environmental triggers right environmental stimuli um and the difference between a trigger and an irritant right you know is all inside our asthma community in terms of worrying about that but it's still environmental whatever you look at it so i ended up with the lung association and i remember again about three or four years into the Lung Association, managing programs, doing asthma education, working on stuff. And, and, yeah, and the Lung Association fights uh, at that time, sort of it's gone more into the lung cancer route right now, but it uh, was fighting uh, bad air, big as uh, bad air, asthma and the, and the tobacco and, and big, <clears throat> big tobacco, right? And um, of all of those, I thought about the connection between what are, what are all those three things connected to? They're connected to air quality, right? They're connected to how, how our air is changing. And we did some really interesting work with diesel and port pol related pollution here, up here in Seattle. And we did some really interesting stuff with wood smoke and pollution. And we were one of the first cities to implement kind of a home outreach worker program for uh, helping people, low income people, navigate through managing their indoor air environments. And so that's really sort of where I took off. And when I went back to my PhD, I wanted to, that's what I studied. I ended up studying asthma 
management uh, disparities in African-American adolescents in Seattle. I bet that mother who spoke with you would be very proud. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yes. It was a, it was a really good lecture. Um, and I, and I, I, I kind of sort of come in going, ah, asthma, yeah, you've got an inhaler. That's it, right? Um, pretty much take it and then you'll be okay again. And she was like, no, no, no. There's this one. This this is the inhaler for this. This is the inhaler for this. This is, you, you're not going to know. Uh, use use a peak flow meter, but that's not such, a, not such a good thing in some places and things like that. So it was really, you know, this, we care for people in nursing. We care for people on that, in that liminal space, right? In that liminal space between the clinic, the home, and the environment, we cannot, we cannot unseparate those two. And yet, what I found in my research and doing, doing, doing research on asthma, nurses, like in terms of, if you, if you Google like nurses who are really doing asthma related work research, right, like asthma, real asthma, getting published in asthma, I kid you not, um, it's gonna be not more than about 15 mm -hmm. across the US that come up in a standard search, right? A um, couple of people doing good stuff on school-related asthma, the University of Texas, uh, strong program in, um, in, in Baltimore doing uh, indoor ma uh, home management of asthma, uh, some, some not very effect effective, I would argue. Uh, you know, they've, they've had some problems, right? In terms of actually having some successes, um, but, but my argument is always been is that nurses need to be involved in asthma, thinking about the environment, right? How do you actually go out and change the environment and how do you empower people that you work with to go in and to make those changes in the environment uh, so that their kids can be successful? And I don't think we've done that enough in that area mm -hmm. of work. So interesting. And so um, it rings true to me, certainly, that nurses, as you described in the liminal space, you know, we, we are the glue often. I mean, I'm, most of all of my career has been in acute care, though I'm keenly interested in the environment, natural environment. But I think of nurses as the glue between things, as the, the interstices, as the background that is not named. And also mm -hmm. the ones who navigate best in those sort of liminal spaces that are hard to identify, because as you say, it's between the structures that we know and the places where people live and this immense um, world around us that impacts everything we do and, and are. And I think a lot of nurses don't know that, honestly. They just do it, you know? And when we start to pick apart, what, what is that about nursing and how did we get this way? Because it's really, I mean, I, I have so much appreciation for it. I've been a nurse 35 years and I have so much appreciation for that in my later career. You know, you, you, it's, it's hard to build that. And I wish all professions, especially health professions, had that sort of sense. Is that, does that reflect kind of your, your perception? Or? Yeah, I think, I think it's funny because, you know, there I am kind of spouting off criticizing nurses, you know, who, who are doing research in asthma, but not necessarily in the, in the right places that, that I necessarily think that they should be in terms of focus on asthma. I'm actually um, about, after this interview, I'm about to meet um, a friend who, uh, when I was with, I, I knew this, I knew this nurse researcher named Julie Postma. I don't know whether she's been interviewed by you, but anyway, she, when, when you Google environmental justice 10 years ago, when you're looking for environmental justice, people writing about environmental justice, not three nurses really kind of came up inside of that. And Julie was one of them because she did asthma related research with Latino communities in central Washington, 
uh, and doing some of the similar stuff that we've ended up collaborating together on, on, on a couple of several times on and off in, in, in related projects. She's actually doing now a really exciting wood smoke project, uh, trying to do develop sort of early warning and uh, communication support for uh, communities uh, going through wildfire risk, which is, you know, we're there. We're, we're not going back, right? We're gonna have smoke seasons in this state from here on out, right? Uh, there, there's too much, there's too much, too much wood, too much wood waste has, has built up because of, you know, uh, weird uh, uh, colonialist thinking around uh, how, how, how we should manage logging. Um, and, and so we're just gonna have to deal with that for the next, you know, eons. Um, but, but certainly, so we need, we need better practices as nurses in terms of reaching patients. But when you talk about how nurses can move between these spaces, yeah, that sort of, so a liminal space is that space in between the door and the next place, right? It's the middle, the middle zone. And so we borrow from all professions, right? We borrow from psychology, from economics, from anthropology. We borrow from all of these ones, which is good borrowers. We're good tool users, right? And this is our, and so um, we, we, and because of, because we're kind of invisible, inside the place, right? Everybody's got, oh, it's just a nurse. Don't worry about it. It's just a nurse, right? We're allowed to kind of go places that other people aren't because of their status or their prestige or, or people's assume that they are um, oppressive in a particular sorts of ways. Nurses seem to have, um, a, seem to be honored with a, a, a privileged position of trust with people, which is not to say that we've not ever abused that trust. We have grossly abuse that trust in many ways inside inside our profession. Some things that we uh, still need to kind of live up to, I think more overtly in terms of our racist and um, uh, abusive past. And at the same time, I think there's still great opportunities for nurses to kind of link more closely with the environment. One of the things, one of the things that's been the big challenge for me uh, in terms of thinking about nurses' roles with the with, with the environment, if I can keep Please. going, um, uh, is this uh, is is this is the difference between anthropocentric thinking um, or anthropocentric thinking and and ecocentric thinking? So anthropocentric thinking is largely what's it got to do with humans, right? It's not. It's not worth studying if it's got nothing to do with humans, right? Uh, in terms of nurses' thinking, and and uh, we've, we've got uh, we've got Sue Donaldson's wonderful, you know, 10, 10 word definition of what nursing science is—the uh, personal and familial human health ecology, right? So it's got human rid, rid, written right in the middle of this, right? Um, but I would argue that our space is not cannot be defined by that. That when, when I nurse and I nurse communities, I'm actually thinking around community health in terms of this community is not functioning well, right? How can I as a nurse intersect with this community to help this community start to work better together, interactionally, socially? Remember, health is not merely the absence of the disease, it's a complete state of mental, physical, and social awareness, but we don't really think about that. And then, to push that even further, we did this project where we got students to uh, talk to community leaders and get them to define environmental justice. This is about my first or two years, one or two years here teaching at UW Tacoma. 
And it was fascinating uh, because we had someone talk, you know, speaking on our type flats down here with a, with a factory smoke going and talking about how, you know, human health's been affected by the Astarco aluminium spelter plant at SYZ. And then, and then there's another video and it's, it's uh, available on our, uh, on our, on our library uh, digital commons site. There's another video of the guy standing by a salmon stream and he's a, he works for the fisheries department and he defines environmental justice in terms of the rights of the mm -hmm. fish. And it blew me away. We, we ended up writing this paper that kind of said, here are these two conceptions of environmental justice, right? Um, but that we need to kind of figure out a way to join these two, right? So I go home and I tell my kids and they laugh at me because I go, rocks have rights, right? We, we have the, the environment itself has rights. And our role as a nurse is in some way to help advocate for those rights to nurse the environment. That is wacky for <laughs> most, yeah. people's, most, most people's zones. They're not ready for that. They're not ready. They're ready to think about maybe plants and animals and cute cuddly bears as having rights, but they're not ready to think of a rock on a hillside that's going to be dug up because someone wants to, you know, cut off the top of that hillside and go look for a go look for gold or go look for coal. They don't think about those particular inanimate objects as having rights. But there are people out there doing this work in, in environmental rights land. I just think that that's the next place that nurses need to go. When I think about practicing nurses, you know, in acute care, so this is where I've spent my time. It's, it's a leap to think about the greater environment. Um, it's easy for nurses to relate to the greater environment in that they like to get out in it. And then it's easy for them to think about um, some of what they see in practice, which is mostly waste. And so they get in, interested in caring for the environment in this way. Um, but it's sometimes hard to even get the conversation to something bigger like climate. Climate is getting easier to talk about. Planetary health, pretty conceptual for a lot of people. Um, justice, uh, environmental justice, which we've been working on more in my work, um, is pretty much related. I would say it's mostly described by the inequitable distribution of harm. So it's to humans, mm. you know, about humans. Though I think there is a conception uh, that it's all of a piece. It's a, it's the same cloth, at least the 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 existence itself and and human existence as part of it. But um, yeah, I I I think it's. Um, for me, it certainly makes sense in that that's the way I think about it, that it, we can't separate the lived world from the human world, you know, or the non-lived world, because where does some of that stop and start? But it's interesting because in my own past, my environmental awareness came before nursing and nursing then mm -hmm. fit in as a human application of health and balance um, on top of uh, the health and balance of the natural world. And so in some ways, I feel like my bridge building is always to incorporate humans in that worldview, which is probably more ecocentric from my own history. And so that's kind of fun to do that with nursing. And um, yet I, I feel like- I wonder though, I wonder that, I mean, that's got to be, 
there's got to be a sense inside nurses' heads that a lot of them have, have had that have had those experiences with environments before they came into nursing, right? You can't like not have not had an experience with the environment. Not thinking, I'm not thinking of like, you know, running around the hills of Missoula, Montana necessarily, or running on the beaches of the Olympic Peninsula here in Washington state. But I'm just thinking in terms of living, breathing and going, is this healthy? is this healthy, right? Trying to understand what's a good place to be. You go to the local park because you want to be there. There was a, there was a, a recent nurse who um, tried to do, tried to examine um, city park. I think quite a few people are doing this, so like green spaces and, and green spaces as healing spaces. And you probably interviewed some in your time, um, but you know, some real sort of like a sensitivity to if we can create more green spaces, can we make healthier communities, right? You know, how, how do we do that? Uh, so I, th I think that people kind of um, have, have the, the memory of the environment in their head, but then when they're like stuck in the ICU ward and they're doing their really important stuff, right? You know, this person will die if they do not you know, make sure that, you know, Tenelol goes in at this particular time. Uh, they, 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 they've got a number of other jobs to do to kind of maintain life. And they're sort of like, they're in that sort of visceral end. I just, what, what I think we fail, where, we are, where I think we fail in terms of our education is that we don't kind of bridge this idea we present to nurses at the beginning that it's holistic, but we channel them into thinking of their job their day-to-day -day job is the end all, right? You know, one of my good friends uh, I saw, cause I'm, I was, I, I do, do a little bit of paddling. And so I went on one of the uh, kayak, kayak to this protest several years ago uh, against an oil refinery. And I'm there with my mate and we're just paddling around holding a banner, you know, being, you know, with the FBI looking at us through their glasses as we're trying to sort of like set up this protest against um, uh, this oil refinery. And, and there on the beach is uh, an old friend, a nurse who's a student of mine from years back. And she's got nurses, you know, for climate change and stuff like this. And I looked at her and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing, you're here. So like super duper. And she's like, you know, inside her day job is nothing like what she does on the side. So I think that there must be a lot of nurses doing environmental activism on the side, but not really thinking about it as being linked to their work as a nurse, their global work as a nurse. They're, you know, nursing is a profession, something that you do just as a job or nursing as a sort of a life choice, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I do just, again, from my experience in acute care, I think it's a hard uh, gap to bridge. And it's almost like cognitive dissonance. I have thought about it as when you're intensely involved in your work, it's like, what, what climate change? And it's just um, difficult to do, but I, I think to talk about it more, normalize it more, bring in connections um, helps. And I'm certainly seeing that, you know, e expansion. And, and also I just think in the timing, I mean, things have changed so much in these last four or five years. I'm not sure if it was because of our, more, our recent president I think that was part of it for waking people up a bit. And I also think on the West Coast, the fires, the fires have been absolutely brutal. And that has changed people's emotional uh, sense. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, I think people are seeking answers and seeking solutions and want to know what they can do. And I'm sure that also complicates your work in terms of asthma tremendously with smoke. 
Y yeah, yes. Um, it, it is still our coalition. So we have a local Puget Sound Asthma Coalition and, and we've been, uh, we're one of the last coalitions in the state, uh, interestingly enough, uh, because funding for asthma has dried up. So uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is whenever you open a climate change document, <laughs> pretty much front, you know, the first time health is mentioned, they'll speak about mm -hmm. asthma. And I'm like, okay, show me a summary of how much money's been spent on asthma in local state and local health departments in the last 10 years. And you will just see a downward trend of funding, right? Show me the amount of funding that's being spent on asthma not even like asthma slash climate change, asthma slash environment asthma, but just show me the funding for asthma at the, at the federal level. It's not, you know, it was fashionable 10 years ago and it's no longer fashionable, right? So we've got this one little, little, little coalition we're working with. We're trying to do some climate change stuff, but it is hard to figure out where the partners are. But I, I will agree with you that I think that that is changing because a lot of the environmental organizations are going to themselves. We need to get into the human related. We need to get into the anthropocentric side of the business, um, either because they think the money's there or uh, they think that this is their way of becoming more relevant to BIPOC communities, right? To communities that are on the front edge of uh, already marginalization have deep experience and deep amounts of resiliency and skills for managing and navigating crappy environments right you know they're the ones that are the experts and i don't think they see that necessarily i think they just see the human health and they go we need to get into the human health but literally this monday i was having we were doing a presentation to the puget sound institute right and they're kind of like epa government related how do we protect and fix Puget Sound and pretty much it's like the you know the, the the shellfish farmers and the people who care about the quality of the water of the far, of the sound right fishermen and stuff like that right and they're like what's a nurse doing in the room right but they've all they've got this new conceptual model where they've included human health for the first time right this is this is important um so I think that 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 is changing and I think that there will be room for nursing action inside that I would hope that at some point in time, we can get deeper than that. And at the national level, I think Annie is, is one of those sorts of leadership groups that can kind of do that. Um, I got to know Annie, this is one of your yeah. questions, so I'm moving Please. into it. I got to know Annie uh, kind of, uh, well, I've watched Annie for a while. Uh, we've, I was part of a, uh, I was part of a group kind of like of, nurses doing environmental health work and we were we were talking about five or six seven or eight years ago um, I'd heard about Annie kind of as a result of that I think um, some of the some of the some of the leaders of Annie were there at that particular meeting um, but then but then of course through mutual friend uh, Dr. Postma over in Washington State University and certainly um, other leaders around that I've been involved largely with the public health nursing mm -hmm. section of the American Public Health Association. So that's sort of inside that group, of course, the, there's, a, there's always a meeting once a year where Annie is, is represented as well as um, three or four other public health nursing groups. And I think the Coalition for Public Health Nursing is growing now. So thanks to uh, the leadership that we have right now, I think that that is expanding. We're beginning to see that we need to kind of reach across the lines. And I did just hear 
that school nurses were becoming more involved in that, which is super exciting mm -hmm. to me because school nursing is, school nurses were always the, 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 they were always the really weirdly shaped jigsaw mm -hmm. puzzle and no one quite knows where they fit because they're not, they're clinical, but they're not, and they're public, but they're not, and where do school nurses fit? And I think that they're key for any kind of social movement with nurses uh, to do environmental related stuff because most of what nurses see is asthma. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how I sort of came around to thinking about Annie and because of this recent project that I've been yeah. doing. So we surveyed, uh, we, we did this on the street survey. So, the, you know, the basic philosophy is, is exactly like I said, we think marginalized communities have uh, unique perspectives, important perspectives on surviving climate change related or environmental threats, right? Um, and they've not necessarily ever been uh, invited to the circle, right? They've been talked about. Oh, we've got to care for marginalized communities. Yes, that's great. Let's put them down on the list. Um, but not really, you know, actually, well, how do you actually engage and how do you actually center the voice of marginalized people in the middle of a policy mm -hmm. change discussion? You know, my work has really been involved with that all the time, right? I've done a lot of photo voice work. I don't know whether you've heard of photo voice research, Julie mm -hmm. was doing it, Dr. Boson was doing it as well, uh, putting cameras in the hands of people. Uh, to share their direct experiences and have them reflect on those experiences and kind of begin to identify the structures that oppress, right? And to be able to kind of then go and change those structures, uh, transform policies. It was like, I'm going to do photo voice research. That sounds brilliant. Um, uh, but so, but in this particular project, we wanted to like canvas, you know, over a thousand people. We got 1,081 data points so were basically a postcards we sat on the street and asked people to fill out a postcard what environmental challenge is most important to you how are you coping with or surviving that challenge you can do that in about five minutes although when you hand it to someone they go huh these are hard questions it's going to take me a while to answer um but our, our real job was to try and find people who wouldn't necessarily have that voice so we we did a whole day with the homeless uh, uh people experiencing homelessness we did a whole a whole couple of days in different neighborhoods where, you know, people don't usually go and put up a table, and uh, we got some great great responses, especially responses that kind of push back against these dominant, you know, things around what we should do for the environment, right? You know, dominant. It's like because it was funny because I kind of went back with this data in my head into a recent Annie meeting on the climate change group and, and sort of heard some of those same discourses, right? Um, uh, we need to recycle more. Uh, we need to use less, less oil. Uh, we, you know, we, all, all of it is kind of framed around personal mm -hmm. choices, right? And uh, I noticed in that meeting and I noticed in, inside the data set, the thing, the voice that's the weakest inside all of this is really any kind of voice that's actually pointing the finger at industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, making some challenge, challenging industry for 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 what interest, industry's role in um, in in, in in contributing to and exacerbating environmental threats. My my very clear example inside all of this is the fact that we actually have you know put in our land use code. Uh, uh, we, we've given industry a break all the time in terms of cleaning up their mess. We don't we don't ask them to do that. You, you, you've you've got mines around in Missoula, right, that have never really been cleaned up because 
they could they could do that. They didn't have to clean it up. They could just leave. Oh, we ran out of money. Yeah. We're finished. We're done. You know, we'll just leave the mess for somebody else to clean up. A scrappy old piece of land on the tide flats. Ah, just make it H3 zoning. They don't really need to clean it up when they go. So if this guy's got a bucket of something and he wants to get rid of it real quick, he just goes and tosses it out the backyard. Doesn't really matter. Same kind of thing going on today, today, as was 150 years ago. So I got excited about that. I got excited about that coming out of the data set. But the other stuff that's coming out is people talking about crime, people talking about, you know, uh, real, you know, uh, healthcare issues. This one person wrote on their card that they, um, and this kind of gets to the medical waste bit, they're worried about their cancer drugs hurting mm. the environment, right? When they waste their cancer drugs, when the cancer drugs are done through them, right? Um, wow, yeah. super, super profound there, right? And that's an inter that's the interstitial space, right? That nurses are working in. Um, uh, people talking about um, uh, drug use and drug addiction, right? And and then commuting, uh, people's and, and not commuting in terms of runoff or you know uh, carbon pollution, but commuting in terms of the stress and the, the stuff. And then people talking about racism, people being racist against other people in the community, uh, pointing them and saying that this is the problem with environmental mm -hmm. uh, stuff. We have very little in, in, in research which, which actually looks at those minority mm -hmm. discourses and goes, unless we engage with this group of voices we're not going to be able to solve a climate justice thing. This is where the climate justice conversation is. It's not really in with the people recycling their and not buying plastic anymore and, and getting their special designer tubs and going to the co-op and being, you know, PC, yeah. right? It's going to be the people that are kind of living on the fringes of society, on the edges, on the, as Elizabeth Warren would say, the, the ragged edge of the middle class, right? Trying to hang on to stuff, but not feeling heard in terms of their own, the, the salience of their own particular struggles in these larger, more important conversations about climate change. So, that's, that's kind of my argument kind of going in. I want to work with Annie on uh, having a conversation, just like, you know, learning more of the conversations that you've had with all of these other nurses have been doing environmental, environmental related stuff. And actually start having a conversation globally with nurses about what would the agenda be for a climate justice, a nurse-oriented climate justice agenda. What things do we care about as nurses globally that we could agree on? Maybe four things, right? Um, you know, hunger, migration. What would be those things that we could stake out and say, this is an agenda for our work for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years until we get to, you know, date certain, right? You know, of, 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 of climate change, which I think we passed, but, you know, there's another date certain coming up, right? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking of that sort of short-term and a long-term agenda for globally for nurses begin organizing around that. And that's really this next level of work for me. Taking the data that I got from talking to, local people in the Puget Sound area and trying to extrapolate meaning from that in a way that still holds the voices of marginalized people central to it 
and then spread out and have a global conversation. I think with Annie, we can do that. A Annie's got connections with uh, uh, people working in Central and South America, some great Spanish speaking peoples, and also connections with the International Conference of Nurses. So there's a, a real chance for us to kind of uh, go to COP26, which is kind of the plan in, in, in November, and have that kind of global conversation to see, see if there's a, which nurses show up to COP26. They're going to be probably ones that we want to hang out <laughs> with in terms of navigating the path forward. Yeah. I don't think we can, I think we, we need to realize from this pandemic that we can't do this thing alone at all, ever again. We can't be thinking just in terms of nation states. Um, that's when you talk about the last four years, that's what, that's what was killing us was that we, we all felt we were on our own, even though during the pandemic, there were all those signs saying, you're not alone, we're in this together. We were in this together in terms of our state, but not in terms of our country. And we're not going to fix this pandemic if we don't start developing a global vaccine supply, right? Come on, we, we can't, you, the virus is going to change again. And there's going to be a new iteration of a vaccine supply. And we've got to get organized the same way we did the flu virus. But we've got to be organized globally for that. I'm getting that's off okay. <laughs> well, it's certainly related to our environmental crisis. I mean, you know, the environmental crisis is hard to put into one one word, thought or phrase, but it's all encompassing right. and it's all integrated. Uh, and so I, I think the pen. Yeah, what would you say? What would about, you say now that you talk to all these people about what would you say would be on the agenda for a global nurse climate justice agenda? Well, I was thinking as you were talking that much of it would align, I believe, pretty well with the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. Doing the work and planning and communication and education and support based on those with the greatest need, not those with the most money, even though. You know, that's a lot of times where action happens is where you get funding. But we know that that then distorts uh, the baseline more or less and what, what we might have the approach to do. I, I think, you know, one of the things nursing does bring besides this ability to integrate, this ability to walk, walk from between the doors, as you say, pretty comfortably, especially with intimacy, with, with relationships, with real people, being able to do that is... I mean, I, I, this is a question I always ask, is this a professional training or is this, is this the sort of people who are attracted to be nurses, but have a real sense, I think, of, of, of fairness and of kindness, mm -hmm. um, of really actually wanting you know, to care for people. Just like you said, after your experience as a teenager, you realized, well, I wanna care for people. So not everybody has that feeling, you know, it's not something that is satisfying to everybody. I think that is, that, that makes us to be remarkable as well as, you know, being smart and being creative and being energetic. But um, it's something I, I get, you know, I've, I feel like sometimes I stumbled into nursing. I didn't intend to be a nurse, I didn't intend to stay long. I've been a nurse 35 years and it's been just amazing. And I don't really understand, uh, fully what I even recognize as what is so unique and important about a nursing perspective, because definitely the general culture doesn't see it. You know, I, like I say, I think many nurses don't see it, but there's something that's so powerful and, you know, it's, it's, it's almost the same as being deeply human, but in somewhat of a, of a studied way in an intentional way in terms of this desire to help and to care and not to impose our own wishes, but to help the other person with what they actually need. That, that's a unique, I mean, I don't see, that's not unique, 
but I think that's a real strength to our heritage, to our, our foundational documents that continue to guide us, to the professional relationships we have, just instantly meeting someone and having you know a shared common experience. So I think those sorts of things to bring to your question about what would be the four or five key priorities for global resolution, I would want to bring those. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, that is out of the box thinking. That's not like a list of to dos. It's 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 a list of perspectives, and um, something inside the heart as well, right? Um, to have the sustainable development goals working on intensely interpersonal levels, right? From from the one-on-one -on -one to uh, to to navigating, you know, and, and untangling racist and colonialist bureaucracies for better health, right? So that interpersonal, right? That the nurses need to bring, right? They need to bring it on. And they've they've done this in, in many, many ways, right? You know, uh, great nurse union leaders, right, have done things that we never thought possible in terms of changing the sort of arc of arc of justice. And then, um, and you've got so got fairness, and I'm I'm putting justice inside of that. But then you've also got this this unique, or not so unique, this plain hiding in plain sight kind of idea around caring, right? This this impulse to care, and and I guess I began this well, midway through began the argument that I think the impulse to care shouldn't just stop at the human being, right? I think this is why I got drawn into thinking around the environment. I'm a mountain climber, right? I see, I see glaciers melting every every year, right? I I say goodbye to to frozen lakes, and and uh, you know, um, I I see changes that are going on, and I so I have an intimacy with rocks and the wild, and I have an intimacy too with the everyday bits of the environment, the grass and the sidewalks, right? Those places that people don't necessarily think of as the places where the environment is, but it's right there. So having, having that ability to kind of be more expansive in what you care for, I think nurses can rise to that challenge. I don't think we're there yet in terms of how we're preparing nurses or accelerating nurses into this space. But I would argue that we should be doing this, that nurses are the right place at the right time for changing our relationship with the environment and standing up for justice for the environment, standing up for those sustainable development goals and standing with others to achieve that. I think it's, I think it's a great vision. Elizabeth, I'm written that down. <laughs> Sustainable development goals, interpersonal and caring. Maybe that'll be the starting point. <laughs> wow, that's fabulous. It's it's heartening, and um, yeah, Robin, it's great to talk to you. We've already used almost an hour. Um, it's just been wonderful to talk to you, and wonderful to meet you. And I'm really excited about your work and your uh, role as um, an educator and as um, a leader and an inspirer. So thank you for spending yeah. this time with me. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, uh, no, uh, you know, go Huskies, I would say. <laughs> I hope everybody's able to have a really good 
day of breathing wherever they are. Here, here. Thank you. That was fun. Thank you so much to Dr. Evans Agnew for this wide-ranging conversation. It gave me a lot to think about, especially as we consider nurses as innovators and leaders. We need all of us pulling together to address our enormous global challenges. I'm proud to be a nurse alongside creative thinkers and compassionate carers like Robin. Thank you all for listening and talk to you next time. <music>